Hello and welcome to Dare to Know, interviews with quality and reliability thought leaders. I'm Tim Rogers, and today it's my great pleasure to welcome Dr. Yezdemir Knesevich. Dr. Knesevich is the founder and president of the Merce Academy in Exeter in the UK. He's an internationally known researcher and educator with over 350 publications and numerous technical presentations. He's known as Dr. K, and Dr. K is best known for his formulation of MERS mechanics, which is the study of functionability over the life of maintainable systems. He established the MERS Academy in 1999, and under his leadership, the Academy has educated thousands of professionals from industry, government, and military organizations worldwide. Dr. K was also a reader in reliability and logistics engineering at Exeter University. He has a PhD in reliability engineering and a master's degree in maintenance engineering from the University of Belgrade. Dr. K, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tim. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be invited and uh, trying to make some contribution to our discipline, which I almost been practicing for 40 years and uh, I feel professionally and personally honored to be invited and also hope that my experience could be beneficial to the future generation. It's brilliant discipline, but requires lots of lots of work in order to progress further like all other recognized disciplines. Dr. Knesevich, you founded the MERS Academy in 1999, but I'm sure most of our listeners are still unfamiliar with that term. What does MERS mean? And how did you determine that this was a necessary addition to the study of reliability? Uh, thank you for the question. Let me tell you, uh, the origin of abbreviation M-I-R-C-E goes back to the School of Engineering at Exeter University in UK, where I spent almost 20 years of my life teaching and researching reliability-related subjects. As a result of the successful cooperation, mainly with the defense and aerospace industries worldwide, in 1988, I established there a self-financing research center for managing industrial reliability cost and effectiveness, hence M-I-R-C-E. The rationale for that was the fact that all engineering disciplines have been developed several or even several decades or even centuries after the development of the relevant scientific discipline. Hence, mechanical, electrical, nuclear, chemical, aeronautical, and other types of well-recognized engineering disciplines have grown on the foundation made of mechanics, electrodynamics, fluid mechanics, thermodynamics, quantum mechanics, and similar scientific disciplines fully defined by the proven laws and equations of great scientists like Newton, Maxwell, Hamilton, Lagrange, and, and many others. Right. However, the story of reliability, it's kind of completely the opposite. It came, it came on the scene in the second half of the 20th century in direct response to the customer's demand for better in-service reliability of military aviation and the space systems. Hmm. Under yes. those circumstances, thousands of dedicated professionals from these industries tries, 
tried to raise to the challenge and they created industry and military standard. Then the best practices will prescribe to satisfy contractual requirements, but no significant process has been made to establish our discipline. So in summary, for the first time in engineering history, the process of creation of engineering profession has preceded the process of the creation of scientifically proven theories and the formulas. And for that reason, I felt we needed new organization and MIRC Academy has been created. And I'm sorry, can you tell me again what the acronym stands for? Managing in-service reliability, cost, and effectiveness. Interesting, it is, interesting. Yeah, it is interdisciplinary subject. So you see, I was within School of Engineering, but we were collaborating with the Department of, of Physics, Economics, Psychology, um, Operational Research, Mathematics. So that's the reason why the center had to be interdisciplinary and self-financing, because the classical, the, the money which went to the classical disciplines didn't go across multidisciplinary subjects. I really like the addition of the CE, the cost. Was it cost efficiency? It's the cost and effectiveness. Cost and effectiveness, yeah. Yeah. Because you see, uh, many people do cost, cost effectiveness. But really what I try to say, for the cost, you can achieve different effectiveness. And this is what we want. I really like that. I really like that addition because it's important that um, we don't take cost out of the equation. Absolutely. 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 There are different solutions to these reliability problems, and we can't forget that, you know, these are businesses that are for-profit businesses that need to be concerned about overall expenses. Absolutely. And once we satisfy, say, satisfy the safety requirements, then the main criteria of selecting the most effective solution is a cost, actually. Hmm. Good point. Good point. Um, can you tell me more about the word f- functionability? Uh, again, yeah. that's a word that might not be familiar to a lot of our yeah. listeners. It is the new word because, you see, most often people talk about reliability is the probability that system will work for stated time. Hmm. But when we start talking about maintainable systems like aircraft, aircraft carrier, power station, and the rest, we do lots of maintenance activities. So then it's very difficult to say stated time from when, from Mm. where. So I created this word function ability. It means to maintain doing function from the origin all the way through its life. So we have the wrapper, the system is born, and from there we we measure ability to function through life. Yeah, I think a lot of reliability engineers are familiar with the sort of bathtub curve, you know, yes. where there's a lot of failures early in yeah. life. And then we assume that there's uh, the, the system functions at a high level for some extended period of time before parts start to wear out. Is that what you're referring to? Well, even I'm referring to even further to that. So mm. you see, even the components which manage to reach the third stage or wear out stage, mm-hmm. even them, even they get replaced during the life of aircraft six, seven times. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. you like, this is the reason why I call it maintainable system. Yes. So in, 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 in the case of the car, we change clutch three times. We mm-hmm. change set of tires 
10 times in the lifetime of the car. Hmm. So I try to, 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 to refer to the, to the reliability performance through life, and I couldn't express that by using well-accepted word reliability. So mm. in 93, I felt I needed new word. And uh, as a newcomer to English language, I felt rude enough to create this new word. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize to the natives. But, but that is the world. Uh, and then you see, when I published this book, Reliability, Maintainability, and Supportability, a probabilistic approach in 1993 by Megro Hill, the, the lady who did the linguistics, she said, Dr. K, everything is fine, but I cannot prove the word functionability <laughs> because it's not in English, in Oxford Dictionary. So then I said, well, is that extra reason to publish new books? She says, yes, but only if you put in the preface that is the word you chosen. So okay. now I feel I feel almost like a father of the world. So it's my it's my little baby, if you like. I think it fits very well. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, Dr. K, our our, our colleague Fred Schenkelberg has argued for the elimination of um, MTBF, mean time between failure, as a measure of reliability. This is a very popular approach for measuring reliability. I'd like to get your thoughts about that, especially are there other standard practices and measures that you think are misleading and preventing us from truly understanding reliability? Well, thank you, Tim. The, the, the only question, how much time have we got? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let, let me put it this way. Uh, I, I do not believe in the existence of parallel universes where the laws of science are either ignored or bent to ac accommodate administrative or contractual requirements. Hmm. The best example for that is well-accepted MTBF approach to reliability that actually requires the acceptance of alternative universes, as hmm. far as I'm concerned, in order to support the argument that the component and consequently the whole systems possess a constant time-independent failure rate. Hmm. See, uh, uh, this is the view in direct opposition of the observed, many observed natural phenomena like corrosion, fatigue, creep, <laughs> wear, and many others, which are provenly time-dependent physical phenomena that clearly demonstrate that the reliability for stated period of time could have increasing, constant, and decreasing probability of success. It <laughs> cannot be constant. And that is the reason which in the previous question, when you measured the, 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 the third phase of the bathtub curve, right. why, why do we do that replacement? Why the system become maintainable? In order to, to accommodate and recognize the physical phenomena which are not on, on the constant period of the, of, of, of the bathtub curve. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, we have now science which is only proven through confirmed behavior in reality. So we observe phenomena, which I mentioned, and yet we haven't recognized them through our MTBF approach. Hmm. Because the biggest corporate of that is its reciprocal value, you know, that famous lambda, you know, which right. is constant per every hour of system life. And this right. is the reason that in my approach to functionality, I often ask my colleagues and the students, excuse me, which hour of the 20 years of life <laughs> of equipment are you referring to? Yeah. 
because it's impossible that each hour is the same. Good point. So good point. This is my brief answer. I'm sorry. You know, these are complicated. These are complicated systems, and I think we are always trying to find simple models to describe these complex systems. And of course, the problem is these simple models are not very. They're very. They're not very accurate, or at least they're not very accurate in the long term. That's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, uh, somewhere Einstein said that things should be simplified, make simple, simplified, but not make simpler. Because yes. I guess when what I refer to birth of reliability in mid-50s, early 60s, it, uh, we didn't understand that reality. So we simplified to the level at which actually it's misleading. You know, I, mm. I'm really, it, 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 it is almost not beneficial. See, mm -hmm. we... Mm -hmm. You know, people study mechanical engineering for five years, and now we send people to three days to reliability course. Hmm. I mean, with all respect, in, in, you can't simplify the complexity in those three days. And if you think objectively, we can't even learn how to boil the egg properly in three days. <laughs> <laughs> even less how to quantify and make actual uh, accurate predictions of aircraft carrier which goes in the water for 50 years. Hmm. You know, so that, that that is my answer. Dr. K, you've trained thousands of professionals, uh, reliability professionals. I wonder if, if you can give us some examples of how practitioners of MERS address reliability questions differently yeah. than traditionally trained reliability yeah. engineers. Yeah, for example, in our academy, we do not start any reliability predictions without first determining the GPS position of the location where the equipment is going to be used, maintained, hmm. and stored. Hmm. This rather simple piece of information gives us a wealth of information related to the impact of environmental conditions on in-service reliability. Hmm. We recognize the differences, say, between Nigeria and Siberia, and even further, Siberia in summer and in the winter, because sure. the, the temperature delta is 80 degrees Celsius. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so then only when we understand, address those uh, physical parameters, we start addressing expecting failure mechanisms, that they are, which are physical and chemical processes that generate failure events, rather than to analyze which is common, failure modes that describe only the way the failure is manifested. So the expression, the expression failure mode, oh, part component, it leaks. But there are 3,000 reasons why things leaks. Yes. And, and diagnosing that something leaks doesn't tell us what to do about that. Good point. So we need to understand the mechanisms, and of course, mechanisms are related to environment and the human actions to which our equipment is exposed. Um, so you, you're really yeah. getting at the true root cause. You Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's what I mean, existence of science. For me, there is one universe which is driven and so far successfully described by science. And I would love that one day my discipline, which is reliability, become equally respected, respected and successful. You know, Boy. 
That would be great. <laughs> it would seem, exactly. You know, as I said, I spent 40 years, I dedicated my life. But if I can't put handle my heart and says, oh, we are as good as mechanical, sorry, our predictions are as accurate mm-hmm. because they are not. And the reason are, as you quite rightly identified, the complexity of the processes which you are dealing with. Hmm. You know, Dr. K, I, I know you're a passionate fan of Formula One racing. Uh, I, 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 and you've worked a lot with uh, drivers and car owners in Formula One. I wonder how your experience with Formula One uh, teams has helped shape your thinking about reliability. Thank you very much. Well, let me tell you that, uh, yes, I have analyzed in-service reliability data of Formula One for each race and each single pit stop from the first race in 1950 until the last one in Brazil. Oh, wow. Wow. So, well, that's my passion. That's what I, what, that, that's what I like. And also, as you appreciate and you alluded the complexity of the Formula One race, it's much more complex than talking about reliability of the car itself. Mm. So let me give you one example. For uh, 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 In 2001, uh, at Academy, the end of each year, we calculate reliability of each drivers and the team. And on our annual conference in, in December, we award, we make award for the most reliable team and the driver for that season. So in 2001, the most reliable team was a Ferrari. They sent representative, and I spoken. We gave them the trophy. And among other things, during my presentation, I suggested that my reliability research, but point is, in-service reliability research, mm-hmm. suggested to me that each car should have more than one refueling rig because that time the formula one car used to be was allowed to be refueled and on the numerous occasions two refueling rigs for for the same team actually failed Hmm. so then 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 the ferrari guy went home year later ferrari made a history michael schumacher for first time ever he completed every lap in every single race (laughs) <laughs> That's Ferrari, unheard of. That's crazy. <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. So, so the Ferrari representative came and gave me a little present from Ferrari, which was the, the barge board of uh, Michael Schumacher's car. And there was a letter from Jean Todd, who was the chairman of Ferrari, telling me, thank you for making contribution to our reliability success. Wow. And I looked at this gentleman and what he said after your presentation, I passed the message, and Jean Todd decided to allocate four refueling rigs to Michael Schumacher, and in one of the races, three failed of them. So if we did this, <laughs> so you see, this is now my point of functionality and the big picture. So hmm. if you look at the car, nothing has failed on the car, but inability to refuel the car is the failure of in-service reliability, which is failure to complete the mission. Interesting. Interesting. I see your point. Okay. Yeah. You really have to look at the complete big, big system. Big. It's not yeah. just, it's not just the device that's under stress, but it's everything else that's, that, that re- contributes. requires. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It requires that. Yeah. So, um, so what a, what a moment uh, to be honored <laughs> by Ferrari in that way. Yes, absolutely. Especially for a fan like, like yourself. 
Yeah. Um, Dr. K, what, again, you've trained a lot of people at your academy. What, what changes would you recommend in how reliability is taught at other universities? Unfortunately, not everyone can attend the Merce mm-hmm. Academy. So if you, if you had the ability to, uh, uh, update the curriculum or update the training and education methods at other universities, what would be your recommendation? Right. Thank you. Um, well, Let's be put this way. Uh, I read somewhere that uh, Napoleon Bonaparte of France said sometime that the soldier which has no ambition to become general is a bad soldier. <laughs> so now, alluding to that, making myself bigger even than my own mother believes I am, I would like to say that any university program in reliability engineering which does not embrace the principles of merchant mechanics is a bad program. In Hmm. sense, we really need to look at the physical processes which drive reliability. We need to understand them in order to make accurate predictions. Hmm. Unfortunately, last 50 years, we all train the students and deliver courses when we use statistics to analyze the past. Mm-hmm. But statistics does not understand physics. The job of statistics is not to tell us what are the failure mechanisms. Correct. Because in the nicest sense, there is nothing wrong with statistics. Don't misunderstand me. But the job of statistics is not to discover statistical causes of mm. statistical variability. Correct. That's really the variability from raw material through production processes, operation, maintenance, storage, and the rest, in fact, causes reliability to be complex. So we really must go deeper rather than continue our simplified approach. We need a a combination of both engineering and statistics, right? Unquestionably. Statistics tell us about past, and we Hmm. all learn from the past. But statistics tell us very little about the future. Correct. So, Correct. We need, as you pointed out, we need inter- uh, a combination of both. Learning of that, combining with the human experience, innovations, new technologies. I mean, the computer power nowadays is phenomenal. Mm. Everybody made the progress. So we need to embrace that progress. But we can't embrace the progress of the future by dealing with the past. But mm. using the data from the past. So good combination of both, for me, is absolutely required. Dr. K, I'd like to ask you one more question, if I may. Yeah, this has do, been a do, great yeah. conversation. I wonder if you could uh, give us some idea of where you think the future of reliability engineering is going. What, what do you think are the, the next big breakthroughs that we have uh, um, to look forward to? Well, I, I tell you what, for as I already indicated, I've been for almost 40 years in this discipline, and for a long, long time, I had sort of personal dilemma. Should reliability issues be taught as an addition to mechanical, electrical, and aeronautical engineering, mm-hmm. or should reliability engineering become self-recognized discipline and then applied to all other industries? Oh. Well, see, the older I get, I really believe that reliability engineering, or I wish to call it, but it's too premature, maybe, functionality engineering Hmm. to become the discipline. Because, see, we have 
say at, at Boeing, at Airbus, at McLaren, Ferrari, we have about 80% of the design community designed for performance. Hmm. Speed, acceleration, reaction time, pressures, and everything else, which is manifested on the day when we deliver a system. But very few people there actually understand and address the life of that system. Hmm. So for me, there is a functional performance, func functionality performance, and functionality performance. So we need engineers who are going to understand and the design for functionality performance. Mm. To design, for example, that, I don't know, United Airlines aircrafts deliver 95% of flights on time every day. Mm -hmm. See, I mentioned this reliable, uh, the Formula One. At Heathrow Airport, since, since was established in 1950s, there was no single day, Tim, would you believe it? There is no single day that all aeroplane took off on time. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I know, especially living in America, you all fly yeah. everywhere. <laughs> you see, for me now, it is great challenge for my profession. And mm. what I'm now believing, that teaching people more Newton's and Maxwell's equations, we are not going to improve the proportion of the flights which go on time from, mm. from JF Kennedy or Chicago or wherever you are. Right, right. So I really believe that we reliability have to buy the bullet and says it is the discipline and this is which requires education, recognition, professional society and, and everything else like all other recognized disciplines. So that's Very my good. view. That's my view. Dr. Knesevich, thanks so much for your insights today. Well, pleasure and I hope it was beneficial and uh, I look forward to work with people, especially with the young people, because, again, very few companies in the world make aeroplanes. And mm. every country, country got the airline. So we have now, we are selling aeroplanes, but we are not equipping people to run them safely and reliably. And there is more challenge there. Well, thank you very much, Tim. That was Dr. Yezdemir Knesevich founder and president of the MERS Academy. For more information about the MERS Academy and their training programs, visit www.mersacademy.com. And I'm going to spell that. That's M-I-R-C-E-A-K-A-D-E-M-Y. MERSacademy.com. This is Tim Rogers. Thanks very much for joining us.